imaginative prayer uses scripture and our God-given imaginations to bring us into the presence of God. The purpose of this practice is not only to hear God's word, but to experience him. Imaginative prayer helps us to visualize a gospel story and worship God as he really is. Let us begin with prayer. Father, you are pleased. In the quiet of this moment, we come before you and sit still in your presence. We silence every distraction and focus our attention to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We want to hear your truth and experience all that you are. Protect our hearts and minds from things that would distract us from you. Give us clarity and peace. Be with us, we pray. Amen. Take this moment to close your eyes and get in a comfortable position. Now take a moment to take three deep breaths. In your nose. And out your mouth. As you exhale, feel the tension leave your body. Feel the distractions depart. As you inhale, imagine God's love filling your lungs and bringing life to your body. Feel the clarity coming back to your mind. And now hear the word of God. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No! said Peter. You should never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. 
I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now let us go back to that upper room on Jesus' last night with his disciples. It's been three years of intense ministry. The twelve disciples all left their professions to follow Jesus. They forsook businesses and family to follow the way of the Master. Training is now over. Now it's 24 hours before he would go to the cross. Jesus now brings his disciples to this quiet upper room where he would eat one final meal with them. This would be the last time that the twelve would ever be together. In the verses prior to this scene, Jesus is still arguing with religious leaders. But now the tone and the attitude has completely shifted. The disciples and Jesus are now alone, together, in an upper room of a house where they had reserved to eat a meal. Imagine what would it have been like to be in that upper room with Jesus, 24 hours prior to his crucifixion. What is the expression on Jesus' face? It's the last night of his life. What are the expressions on each of the twelve disciples' faces? Imagine the three groups sitting around the room. Simon Peter, the loyalist. James and John, the sons of thunder. Andrew, Peter's brother. These four had been through it all. They were there since the beginning. James is the first martyr of Herod. He's passionate. And then sitting beside this first group was the second group. Philip, Bartholomew, who's also known as Nathaniel, Thomas, and Matthew. These have also been there since the beginning. Philip was there since the beginning. Bartholomew, or Nathaniel, was a true believer, someone who openly confessed Christ and had faith. Thomas, on the other hand, was the open skeptic, also called the twin. Matthew was a loner, a tax collector, a former thief and traitor of the Jews. Now the third group, James the Less, whose name literally means little man, and Thaddeus, also known as Judas, son of James, or Lebius. Then there's Simon the Zealot, who is a political activist. Similar to Matthew, he's a loner. He's anti-Rome, probably carrying a dagger. And then there's Judas Iscariot, 
the traitor, the betrayer, the one who would hand Jesus over. Jesus would go around the room and wash every single one of their feet. Imagine when Jesus went off script and when he got up from the meal to take off his clothes, to take the role of the lowest of the lowest slave. After the twelve had just got done arguing, who would be the greatest? Now what's the tone in the room? Is there regret? Is there guilt? Are they thinking, we should have washed each other's feet? Perhaps they were thinking, we should have washed the rabbi's feet. At this point, there are 13 pairs of unwashed feet, and the disciples are laying down beside each other. What's the smell in the room? In the ancient world, trash was thrown on the street. Animal waste also on the road, mixed with dust and dirt and trash. Is it awkward that no one had washed their feet up until this point? As Jesus gets up from the meal and begins to take his clothes off, imagine the thoughts racing through the disciples' minds. Some heads may have dropped in guilt and shame. Jesus, being loving, with his back turned. What's the expression on his face? Is he smiling? Is it a face of patience? Is it sorrowful? How many of the disciples at this point want to curl into a ball? How many feel guilty for arguing about who is the greatest? As Jesus begins to go around the room washing the feet of his disciples, what's going on in their mind? Who was first? And what is the disciple next in line thinking and feeling? Is he nervous? As he comes to Simon Peter, what's the eye contact between Jesus and Peter? As the spokesperson of the Twelve, what's the tone of the conversation? How does Jesus gently converse with Peter's premature interpretation of the foot washing? When Peter asks Jesus to wash his hands and his head as well, how does Jesus respond? What's the facial expression on Jesus' face. At this point is Jesus acting like a father who is being patient with his son. When Jesus tells the group, all of you are clean except one of you, 
Imagine the disciples looking across the room at each other. Who do you think was most suspect if you were to sit there? Would they look at Judas? Would they look to Matthew, the tax collector? Or Simon, the zealot, who was probably killed a tax collector in his zeal? What was Jesus' attitude when he was washing Judas' feet? Knowing that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, how did Jesus rely on the Holy Spirit to empower him to wash the feet of Judas? What's the conversation going on with Jesus and the Father? Not my will, but your will be done. What's Jesus saying to the Holy Spirit? Did the situation bring Jesus to tears? Now Jesus is done washing all of the disciples' feet. How long did it take? How much silence was in the room? As Jesus returns to his place at the table and he begins to teach his disciples and they all have clean feet now. Now how has the tone shifted? Does he have their attention? Or are they still wondering who would betray him? take a moment to ask the Lord what this message means. Is Jesus speaking to you now? Is he telling you the same thing he told Peter? Let me wash your feet. Let me serve you. Let me love you. Are you willing to let Jesus wash your feet? Are you willing to admit that your feet are dirty? Are you willing to admit this in front of the group in which God has brought you? Is your pride fighting back and pushing Jesus away? Or is the Holy Spirit leading you to admit that your feet need to be cleaned? Now imagine Jesus is cleansing your feet, wiping them clean, and gazing into your eyes, telling you who you are in Him. How accepting does he feel? How loving is the Savior? Does his face speak of judgment or complaint?
complete acceptance. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your gentleness and your mercy toward us and your peace toward us. Lord, we admit that our feet need cleansing, that we are clean, we've had a bath, but because of the daily walk, our feet are in need of cleansing. We confess this need, we confess this filth on our feet before others, that we may follow your lead as we have seen here in this story. And Lord, we choose to do this for one another, to confess one to another our sins, and to receive confession from one to another, as you have taught us and you have commanded us to do. And we pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus.